podcast number TV Campfire Podcast. Yeah, I was like, yep, okay, so hey, we went for the week. Like We're here. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh, this is Tom. I chair the department. All right. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that blew me away. Bill Harper is out of the good doctor because he's running for the U.S. Senate in real life. Also on ABC, Only Murders in the Building is getting a broadcast run. Not Amazon, surprising at all. Am, no, not at all. Amazon has picked up Reacher for season three in advance of season two's premiere. And they're also developing a Spanish language boys series set in Mexico. It's just going to be called The Boys, Mexico. And I was like, seriously? seriously? Yeah, that's what it's going to be called. <laughs> so uh, are we going to franchise it now? Apparently. The boys, L.A. <laughs> uh, Apple TV Plus has canceled Swagger after two seasons. CBS has announced that Bob Hart's Abishola will end with season five. Aww. And thus ends Chuck Lorre's long-running tenure on CBS. Although he's doing just fine on Max. Speaking of long-running, Blue Bloods is finally going to end with season 14. They're going to split it in two parts, 10 episodes in spring and eight in the fall. You might as well call that season 15. Uh Nikolai Coster Waldau and James Norton from Happy Val- Happy Valley are going to headline King and Conqueror, a limited series co-produced with the BBC. Disney Plus has canceled Muppets Mayhem. Boo! It was a fun show. MGM Plus has picked up Godfather of Harlem for season four. Lots of NBC news. Found and the and the Irrational have been renewed for second seasons. Yay! Le- I like both of them. La Brea will end with season three. Good, because I hated that one. Alberto Rosende, who played Blake Gallo, will exit Chicago Fire in season 12 premiere. Reed Scott from Veep is going to be the replacement for Jeffrey Donovan as the white cop on Law & Order Original Recipe. And Kelly Giddish is going to return to SVU for its season 25 premiere. Netflix picked up Black Mirror for season 7. And Stars has picked up Power Book 3, Raising Canaan for Season 4 in advance of the Season 3 premiere. And that's the news. All righty then. That, that is some news. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we are going to talk the last two episodes of Lessons in Chemistry, which uh, me and Houston got to see the finale on the big screen, which was pretty cool. Uh, uh, with some of the... There was like a and a after, and then they had like little chemistry drinks. Like you, they had drinks in like Erlenmeyer flasks and test tubes. <laughs> it was cute. It was, it was very, very cute. cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a really cool experience. Seeing the TV show like on a big theater screen setting is it's nice. That's a nice change. Anyway, regardless of our, uh, I guess I tell you that to let you know we might be slightly skewed to like the finale just because of the environment because they liquored you up <laughs> the liquor came after the liquor came after it was not free but um anyway uh i will have to say i did thoroughly enjoy uh the last couple episodes of lessons in chemistry i thought it was pretty fantastic uh and i like that it became about the mystery of who was her father, the little girl doing the investigation, finding out who her father was, and we get the flashbacks, and we get the reveal about the grandmother. I will have to say the whole uh, 
you know, civil rights story that fe- felt kind of shoehorned in about the 10 freeway. Some of it was interesting, but since we all live in LA, I was like, yeah, because so the 10 freeway exists, so I don't think she's going to win this. So it felt like, I don't know, not false stakes, but like doomed, I guess. So I didn't get invested in that particular. But I thought it was interesting that Elizabeth does kind of put her, she uses her influence. yeah. Her influence to take a stand, and I no, thought no, that was no. kind of important. That, that and was, was kind good. of a way that she could honor her 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 late, what you know, baby daddy. Right, <laughs> you were about to say husband. I got it. But I also think that in the finale, they do this whole vote count, and they think they won, and they celebrate. And I was like, Oh, I knew that guy was going to fold like a cheap oh, top. Absolutely, like, <laughs> and and so that's what I meant. Felt like false stakes. Because I never for a second thought they were going to win. Um, so I kind of feel like, I don't know what a better way would have been to show that. But the way they did it just felt kind of boring. Um, at least in the finale. That's I all think I there's say. no way that you, your, our, in, our knowledge of the 10 existing doesn't, didn't add to that. I think if we watched it not knowing, I think it would have been fine, honestly. I agree. Um, I agree. If we didn't know, I think it would have worked, but we right. live here. So it's like. Right. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we can't judge it. We So we can't judge it. I don't think it's even worth. I don't think it's fair is what I'm saying. I don't think it's worth saying. Um, I mean, it's personal. So, of course, it's worth you saying it out loud. But you're for, you know, for your experience. But as far as the viewers who are watching it, I think it was fine. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't have a problem with it if I could look at it objectively, but I want to jump in by saying, because, uh, you know, I am always the first to, not the first, but I'm always willing to call myself out on things when I'm being unfair and I, and when I'm not being unfair. And I have to say that being a very vocal, you know, person who has issues, let's say that with child actors. Um, I have to say that the child actor on this was outstanding. She was phenomenal. And I didn't realize how important she was going to be to the series. Uh, you know, and as you said, it kind of turned out more to be, at, you know, towards the end, the mystery of who her father was. So obviously she was pivotal in the second half of the series. And boy, does she hit it out of the park. Um, great. Yeah. She did great. And I think part of the whole show hinges on you know, uh, caring so much about her, caring so much about finding out about her father. And we need her to to be a good actress. Uh, and she was phenomenal. So I love the series uh, on I, every level. I, I thought say, it... Uh, speaking to that point, what I thought was really interesting is once she does unravel the mystery, I like how she was kind of like, it didn't make me feel what I thought it was going to make me feel solving this. Like she didn't yes. get the closure and everything. And I thought that was true to life and yeah. uh an interesting lesson for a girl of her age to find out like sure. that, that hit me in a couple of ways but anyway continue yeah no i think it you know that that adds to the whole show being kind of you know believable in its journeys you know uh and and the emotional journeys that everyone had and you know the look of the show was beautiful i liked the score uh even the um you know, we when we went to the screening and they had a discussion, the panel, I, I actually did notice 
the score to the credits uh, in the finale uh, without them having mentioned it. I remember thinking while I was watching it um, how lovely it was. So the show was just really well thought out on every level. Um, the score, the costuming, the set design, the cinematography, the acting. So I thought it really did a great job all the way across the board. It was, it was a lovely watch. Agreed. All right, Tom, last thoughts before I, we move on. I loved it. I really, this was a really good project for uh, Brie Larson. And, uh, you know, that and I really liked the Marvels as well. But it was good to see her, you know, take on a role where she gets to smile, she gets to be personable, because that first Captain Marvel movie did not do her justice. Mm-hmm. I can see that. All right, so overall, we're definitely saying thumbs up. You guys should definitely give this show a shot. All right, next up, we're going to talk uh, Fargo. And uh, we actually did a group watch on the first two episodes. Sorry, Tom, you were not uh, invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it was me, Houston, and Allison. We all sat and watched the first two episodes of Fargo together. Uh, it wasn't even planned. It was just kind of happened. Um you should have texted me. I, I watched the two episodes back to back too. <laughs> Did you? Like I said, it was not like, hey, let's all watch Fargo together. It was just, we happened to be together. We're like, hey, what should we do? And we decided to watch Fargo. Um, but it was cool to watch it together too, because we all kind of reacted. We I don't think we had the same opinion of it, but we all at least shared the, the, uh, the experience together which is not n normal and sometimes somebody will watch it and they're tired and they're sleepy and it affects and we all just you know kind of watched it all together so that was kind of cool yeah well it's oh. that that audience you know reaction that you have in a theater That's right the same kind of things it's a communal watch right right yeah. so i my impression is that i thought the story the setup is a good setup and it was interesting i'm not sure where they're going with it it's kind of bizarre because our lead character uh juno temple i want to say is that right mm -hmm. yeah uh she's really good but her character's really odd and after her whole kidnapping and comes and when she comes back and her husband she tells her husband that she wasn't kidnapped she just went on a walk and he's just playing this weird like super friendly um minnesota guy that just believes whatever his wife says but none of it makes any sense i was like why would he believe this insane story when he comes home he finds the house broken into he finds blood all over the floor he finds fire damage and all this other stuff and she goes oh that just is a random thing don't worry about it but i just went for a walk and i came back all filthy and bloody but it's okay like there's no reason why he would believe her and so that's the part where it gets into a weird kind of farcical, like, is this reality sort of situation? You know what I mean? And then you're like, is she crazy? Does she believe she didn't get kidnapped? Like, there's that strangeness to the story that goes with a lot of Fargo stories. When you watch a Fargo anthology, there's a bit of weird to it. And don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> And so your reaction is very much about, do you accept this strangeness? Can you sign on and be like, all right, take me on this ride? And when we got to the end, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm on board. I mean, it's crazy. It's weird. But she was awesome with a weapon. And she just kept, I kept calling it home aloneing 
situations where when she's in the grocery store, she sets up all these traps. And then when she gets home, she sets up all these traps, including like a big hammer aimed at her door. Like, I was like, is she legit? Because the whole electrifying the door handle and stuff, that is literally from Home Alone. So um, I found all of that hilarious. But that's just, I know that was my experience. What'd you guys think? I kind of, oh. No, go ahead, Tom. The stuff with, I tend to like um, Don Draper. Why am I not thinking of his real name? Ham. John. I I tend to like John Ham. This whole kind of trying to tap into this whole cult zeitgeist of, you know, like Trumpinistas and whatnot, that rubbed me the wrong way. It just felt too, the whole thing with him and his son and the whole ick. I don't know. For me, it kind of, it it felt kind of disjointed and I didn't really need that brought into the Fargo-verse, which usually is set in the not too distant past. But that just rubbed me wrong. It felt like I, everything doesn't have to be current eventsy, and I don't know if anybody else feels the same way. But I just thought, ooh. I man. mean, I didn't feel that was necessarily Trumpian, especially because he's straight up just, you know, planning to murder people. Um, well, I, I like, can understand what what I can. Tom I get what you're about. saying. It just didn't hit me the same way. No. Yeah, it it just really and, rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, the yeah. very first scene that we get is the scene with the uh, school board meeting, where everyone is like literally yes. turning on each other, and yep. it's just a free for all, and it's crazy. And I I get that normally they don't do topical stuff with with Fargo, but so that is a little different. But I mean, they are setting this in 2019. And I think that I, I I don't know I wasn't bothered by by having them do commentary on on what is happening in our in our culture right now. I thought okay if they want to do that as long as they do it well I'm in for the ride and I I was so so I was okay with it. My my only problem with John Hamm in this particular role. Um, is I don't think, I mean, I think that they cast him because he's John Hamm and not because he's right for this particular role. Because I kept thinking, you know, if you got some real hardcore Texan westerny guy to play this, it would be it would be more the character, more authentic, where he just he doesn't well, well I mean this except mold. for the whole nipple ring thing, of course. Like, well, that's that's a prop. <laughs> that's you know. But I'm I'm saying John Hamm as an actor, I don't he doesn't give that vibe of what this character is supposed to be, this, you know, hardcore Texan, uh gun loving, you know, one hundred percent his own his own law. Uh, kind of character so I think I mean he's he's handling it as well as he can but I just don't think he was the the ideal person for this particular part um, but where the the rest of the the, the show is concerned um, I think everyone else is doing a amazing job and and I I love the way it's cast and all of it is is unfolding really well for me all the stuff that that uh uh was was being done by um and now i'm blanking on her name but the lead character you know you know right um everything that she was doing made sense to me because she's in hiding she's trying not to be seen 
Um, she's doing everything to to be under the radar. So, you know, when she, she doesn't want the police involved, she doesn't want to say, yes, I was kidnapped because then it's going to turn into a, a whole thing with the police and possibly the media. And and she wants to avoid all of that. And of course, you know, at this point, it's it's beyond her control. She's already been found out. But she's going to try everything she can to to not be seen. And I think her husband is not so dumb that he believes this. But I think he loves her enough that he's going along with it. All right, all right, Yusin, uh, your turn. Um, yeah, you know, um, I actually am a little bit opposite of what Allison was saying in terms of the John Hamm casting. It, you know, to me, it reminds me of him being cast as the cult leader in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So it's actually something I've seen him do before. So um, I buy him in the role. Um, it, you know, it, he plays, uh, he's actually a wonderful comedic actor. So uh, I like him in this role. It plays on uh, a, a deep level of comedy, not slapsticky, but that Fargo, Fargoian, um, you know, comedy. Uh, so I like that it, it uses his comedic talents, but in a different way. Um, so I like him in the role. I buy it. Uh, but maybe that's because I saw him, uh, you know, kind of be this character in the Unbreakable Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. So, so I, you know, I, I can kind of see the, the, the pattern there or the, the, the template. Um, as far as the show is concerned, Juno is amazing. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. She's a revelation in this. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I don't know. Fargo is a hard show for me. I love the movie. I love the first season season of the series. I, I stopped watching it after that. It's kind of brutal in a way that like I'm, you know, it is, it is what it is. So if you like that kind of stuff, I think this season is good so far. But for me, um, I'm not sure that I'm going to continue. I don't love it. There's something... I don't know what I don't know what it is missing for me, but it's not as compelling for me as it needs to be in order for me to continue watching, probably. But I think that John Hamm is good, and I think Juno Temple is amazing. All right, let's. Uh, I I'm not sure how many thumbs that makes, but <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk Slow Horses, and this just came back to Apple. Uh, for its third season, and we're going to talk episodes one and two. Um, and the crew is back to its old tricks of, uh, and when I say old tricks, I mean uh, fumbling around in the dark and doing a horrible job. Uh, and you have our lead character farting all over the place, which I don't know. I don't know why guys <laughs> think that fart jokes are funny. I just, I just they were just a lot in this episode and i just was like really okay uh it's one of my lowest forms of humor so you don't get points for me for that but i did like that the whole base was just covered in boxes and just boxes and boxes because after what happened with last season they got relegated to just filing stuff and uh that feels about right for the show the way it starts and I, before the podcast started, we were talking about, oh, what's his name? There's River. River. We were saying whether or not River is stupid or not. <laughs> I am on the firm ground of, yes, River is dumb. And it's because every single season, including this one, he 
the whole reason everything falls apart is due to him. It's always down to him making a mistake. And it's always the same mistake. It's almost like insanity. His mistake is that he thinks that he's the lead and the hero of the show. He just doesn't know that the guy playing that Lamb is actually the lead. It's like he got the wrong script. And so he's like, oh, I'm the hero. I'm the one that's supposed to run in and save the day. And so I'm going to do all this stuff and be the hero. And every single season, he's the reason why everything blows up in everybody's face. And this season is is not any different. He basically uh, gets a ransom call. They kidnap, oh God, what's her name? Standish. 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 Yes, they kidnap Standish. And I was like, oh, they're going to see it and send a message to Lamb. And they don't because Lamb's smart. They send the message <laughs> to River because he's dumb. And they're like, we've kidnapped Standish and they have a gun to her head and be here at this time and blah, 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 blah. And what does he do? He does exactly what the kidnappers tell him to do. He doesn't stop to think. He doesn't stop to consult anyone else. He doesn't call Lamb and go, hey, Standish has been kidnapped. Doesn't do anything. Like, I would at least do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I work at this facility and I know that Lamb and Standish are best friends, I would tell him. She's been kidnapped at gunpoint, and there is a ransom thing. Does he do any of those things? No. He rushes off to be the hero. And it comes back and smacks him in the face, as it should. Yes, I think he's dumb. All right, someone proved me wrong. Go ahead, <laughs> Go ahead Tom. Go for, Go for it, Allison. <laughs> you putting it up on Allison? I thought, Tom, I thought you said no, no he's not dumb. passing the buck here. Um... <laughs> Okay. And I want right. to steal well, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna say he he does dumb things. I think he's he is not actually dumb, but he is arrogant enough that it keeps biting him in the butt. Um and, and he and you're right, he does make the 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 erroneous decision that he is the hero of this story, that he's he's and he keeps wanting to to go off on his own and correct all the mistakes and and make all the 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 heroic moves and it's and it's stupid because he doesn't have even even if he wasn't as much of a screw up as he is he doesn't have the the background he doesn't the have the experience yeah. and the understanding to to judge the situation and what's really going on that's that's lamb's business that's what he does and and you're right he should defer every time but he doesn't he goes off half cocked because he thinks he's the one who's going to make everything right and in, in in this situation he thinks that you know he has to because there's a ticking clock so but still I how mean, long does it take on his way to the to make a phone call yes. yeah it's no it's 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 ridiculous but i think i think he's a basically intelligent guy who makes stupid decisions due to arrogance a combination of arrogance and just a misjudging of what his position is in this in this pecking order and and that's why he makes all these mistakes but i, I you know i want to talk about more than just river because it's this this show the, the way they did it this year was interesting they didn't open up with with you know our gang we had this whole thing at the beginning um that took place in istanbul and this wild chase which ends extremely badly and these two spies 
who are both, you know, um, odd, working at at uh, at odds with each other. One is spying on the other one, and and the other one is giving away information to who knows what, and and it ends poorly. And we st and and we see later on that the guy who survived is part of this group that's now doing this with Standish. But why he's doing this and how what we saw at the beginning ties in to all of this, we still don't know yet. And I'm really interested to see where this is going and how all of that ties into what's happening now. Right. Uh, Tom, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I The part that I didn't want to steal from Allison's pre, pre-show comment He's an arrogant white boy with a hero complex. So of course he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be, you know, I'm all you know, he thinks he's like Clint Eastwood or you know, the a lone wolf, but he always it allows him to fall into he's very predictable. Right. And that's the thing and, is and he falls if, if people, for it again and again. People keep using like he keeps making the same mistake, and everybody sees that, uses that against him. And I'm like, if people keep using your weakness. Why don't you like? Because he's got a blind spot because he thinks he's Mr. Super Spot. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, I thought um, it was, it, it was, uh, it was an interesting, you know, I'll say two part season premiere. But the thing that kind of left me, I, I kind of wanted more because we still don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's hits like, my uh, cheating and watching the next episode. Uh, you know, through, it's, it's just like the yeah. misadventures of River Cartwright. <laughs> right. But and man, Ho needs to be somebody needs to pimp slap that boy. Oh my god, what is wrong? <laughs> like he's the only one that I think deserves to be at Slow Horses. Like Seriously. he legit deserves to be there. He has problems and issues, and. Uh, did you say somebody needs to slap him? Because I feel like somebody did slap him, right? Yeah. I was about I to was say. Harder. Pretty... <laughs> he said harder. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> I put it on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ho has issues. And he, he is dumb. Like, Ho is legit dumb. But, like, he knows tech, but that's all he knows. He has yeah. no, like, actual other intellect. He is or a people dumb, skills. Yeah, or people's skills. He is a dumb person. Like, oh my God. Anyway. Yeah, he's he's the tech guy who you keep in the basement. That's basically it. Yep. You don't let him out. Let keep him in his cage. All right. We're gonna say thumbs up for slow horses. Yep. Uh let's move on to Beacon 23. And we talked the first two episodes last time. And I think we both like the me and Yusin talked it because I think you guys hadn't seen it yet. We both liked the pilot. We didn't like the second episode as much. And I think for episodes three and four, for me, it's kind of a similar thing. I really liked mm -hmm. episode three. I thought episode three was really cool. Episode four was this weird flashback where we're like a hundred and... 180 years. Uh, 180 so, so, years. Okay, 180 years flashback. So none of the characters that we know now are there. We're seeing the origin of the station. And I, as it was, because I was like, why are we doing this? And it took about half the episode for me to understand why we were doing this flashback. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But then the resolution of the flashback episode kind of was like unsatisfactory because we don't know the characters. I feel like if they had told this story with characters we knew, that flashback, the, the resolution would have been like, it would have had a lot of more punch. 
And, but the point of it also is to let us know that the AI, which we already knew, the AI, whatever his name is, Barry, Bart. Yeah. Bart. It's freaking crazy. Like, and, and we find out he started out Don't that way. Bad. Right. We find out he started off crazy and he's just had a hundred years to get crazier. So if you're thinking he's not capable of killing someone uh, wrong, he's already done That's that. <laughs> he's already done that. And, uh, but it also tells us that there's another AI hidden in the system, which we didn't know, which is kind of interesting. Well, um, is it really an AI? Well, it's a, it, it, it's sort it's his, uh, the dude's it's consciousness. consciousness, but we don't know at that time because it didn't seem like a perfect transfer of his consciousness. He seemed much colder than the actual guy. So I'm not sure if it's a pure. He was pretty frosty to begin with. <laughs> true, but at the end he got warmer. He had he felt like a real person. The AI that we see at the end didn't feel person like to me. He felt like the just the cold information of the guy. So I wasn't convinced that it was a full transfer of that dude's consciousness. But anyway, it's it's lurking in the computer. It's there. So now I'm wondering. We got the the psycho AI, and we got this other AI in the system, and then we know that the Beacon Keeper died of an accident, which I'm putting in quotes, accident for those listening. Um, it makes me suspect that it might not have been an accident because the ore or the rocks that that dude was mining has something to do with why that billionaire what was there. Fact. Yeah, and it's all, of course, it's all connected. Um so that was why we had the flashback. But then let me back up the episode before we finally get our two leads really coming together as a team, even against oh, what's Lena Hetty's character. Harlan is the black guy. What's her? It's like Aster or something crazy. Yeah. Like that. Her character, her old girlfriend shows up who betrays her and then stabby stab and all of that, but I actually really liked all of their interactions. I thought it was because I didn't. I I thought it was all fascinating because I wasn't sure where all of that was going. Because you start to trust and you don't trust, and all, I don't know. I really liked episode three, but uh, Tom. It's go- Cersei Lannister. I'm never going to trust her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Does she have her own agenda? Absolutely. But I do think she genuinely has started to care about Harlan. I do. Would she stab him? Probably, if he got in the way. He'd stab anybody. <laughs> but I do think she really has started to care about him. I do. I believe that. All right. Go ahead. I liked, I liked episode three also. I liked the dynamics. I, I assumed that they were bringing on the third character as uh as part of the series and i thought oh this is going to be really interesting this dynamic they were going to open it up the two into the three so i was very shocked but disappointed i was shocked and disappointed that they actually killed her off and i know tom mentioned i think off off podcast that he wasn't surprised but i was um and again you know and again maybe because i thought that she was going to be brought on the series as a third character but i really like the dynamics there seemed to be this like underlying sexual tension that was mm-hmm. kind of going on, like a 
poly thing happening and then you know the this and that and you know not that that is always interesting but it 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 was an extra layer had, that I yeah wasn't they all had to. chemistry all of them had yeah chemistry yeah they really did so it was a little disappointing that they actually killed her off um, because I thought it would make the show uh, interesting but it does seem like it's very and and very much an anthology that each episode is very standalone and they're not kind of carrying. Well, that's not true. The whole idea of what the rocks do and the mystery of her, like that, mm -hmm. that mystery is carrying through. Yes, that is. Well, sure. The so artifact. It's, yes, the it, artifact. Yeah. yeah, the artifact. Yes. No, yes, of course that is. But what I meant is it, the, each character, each episode, the characters aren't ca carrying over. It's, it's sort of monster of the week. And then the, you know, the overarch, the overarching, you know, uh, mythology you know as we as we we've, we've learned to call it that you know from x-files sort of like the bigger mystery that carries through but each episode is kind of standalone-ish in its monster of the week kind of a thing so i'm i'm disappointed but in a but it's a good thing i mean it's a good way of saying that i thought the episode was good so you know i was sad that she was gone the the fourth episode um you know, I think worked less for me. Uh, it was Barbara Hershey, by the way, totally did not recognize her um, uh, it, in the beginning. And then her, the voice was so familiar and I had to look, look her up and I thought. That was that Barbara Hershey? Be? It was yeah. Barbara Hershey. What? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I looked her up and it was, and it absolutely was her. They, you know, uh, the Google told me. Um, but yeah, I recognized her voice. Um, and so I thought she was an interesting choice. I like the look of the show. It reminds me of The Expanse. It's heavily sci-fi. It's committed to being a sci-fi show uh, in the in its looks and, and its special effects and all of that. So I think that it looks the part. Um, it feels the part for me. Um, I like the show. It's not a great show, but I think the show works for me enough. Um, and even though for was a little bit of a slowdown. I mean, it's allowed to, not every episode has to be, you know, you know, uh, fantastic and move the train forward. I mean, it gave us, it's a prequel. It kind of gave us the history of, of, of the, of the, your AI and what the, what the um, beacon is kind of supposed to do. So, I mean, I'm liking the show. I don't love the show, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't hate the show. Um, I think it's intermittently interesting. Um, I mean, it's, it's enough, it's entertaining enough that, yeah, I sit in front of it and I watch it, but I don't think it's, it's great drama. I think it's kind of sloppily put together. Um, and you know, the, the, the set design, it's like at first I was, I was thinking, well, that's really looks great until they started talking about how this station is supposed to be like 200 years old and and it looks like it was built yesterday it's gleamy mm -hmm. and shiny and and it should look like you know it's barely hanging on yeah i mean like it's being held together with duct tape at this point that's how old this thing is this should be rust in places and 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 there's just a sense of things breaking down and there's nothing like that on on this ship it just Except looks that they, shiny and i new. mean it does look shiny but they show you very clearly stuff is breaking down like stuff isn't uh, working well the only thing that we really <laughs> see for real is breaking down 
and and they they intimate that there was something deliberately sabotaged about it was the beacon itself right the beacon when the, doesn't when the work, ship right. was destroyed at the beginning but other than that it it really the only time it looks different is when we go back to the flashback to barbara hershey and she's she's sort of turned Decorated. it into her own little hippie haven with <laughs> just plants everywhere and you know swags of of uh, self-woven yeah. cloth and you know things like that and that's that's all very cozy and everything but it, it's it's like that's the only difference in in terms of, of how it looks after 180 years of use so um it's it's like little things like that that just kind of bug me that they didn't didn't take the time to to you know look over and think through and i think that the it is very episodic it's like oh now's the episode where we meet people and now's the episode where we have uh wreckers come in and, and cause havoc and now we have the episode with her former girlfriend and now we do a flashback um and they don't really hang together all that well except for this one tiny but little through line last... with the rocks and yeah. by the way i didn't get that the the, the the rocks were supposed to be the same thing as the uh, anomaly, the artifact, yeah, they the are. artifact, they the are, artifact. because yeah. the, the one thing that Barbara Hershey says at the end when she's speaking to the AI, uh, the newly minted AI, is that the AI cannot see, see the artifact. Right. Right. So, well, you I can see the rocks see the just fine. No, but I think um, the effect of what the rocks do, I think that's, I think they're connected. They're a hundred percent. It may be connected. It's, it's just that, you know, they, they don't make it terribly clear. So I just, when the, when we flash back and suddenly they're not talking about the rocks anymore, they're talking about an artifact, which they've never referred to the rocks as prior to that episode. Um, it's, it's, it's like, why are we talking about this? What's, what's, does this tie into what we've talked about? And the only thread I could, I could come up with that, um, that, you know, why are we having this flashback was, well, this explains why Bart is crazy, yeah. but that didn't seem worthy of an entire Except, episode. I know. Me. And also Bart seems crazy, even in the flashback already. So I yeah, well, like... <laughs> you get the idea that she's the one who made him, made him crazy. Way. Right. But well, that, um, and the guy who programmed him is no right. cheap, was no peach. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, so that's not going to work to one's advantage as far as having a stable AI is concerned. But um, I, I didn't I didn't see that as being reason for an entire flashback episode. Like, why are we leaving the main story and all those characters? Yeah, alone just to I, find I felt, out. I, yeah, I felt like this could have been done like. Intercut with a mm -hmm. with a main story because it i really missed our main characters no i'm I, i'm definitely with allison i do not like the way this is put together as a series i mean and i'm annoyed that it got a second season already whereas peripheral if any show deserved a second season it was that one yeah zach penn is the guy who adapted this for tv and he doesn't have a lot of tv work to his credit and it, i think it shows because if you're going to do something that seems kind of standalone-y, you better be planting those big old arc seeds so you can start to figure out what's this show about. I have no idea what this show is about, except for these people on a space lighthouse, and he's, you know, they both have issues. Yeah, <laughs> I still I, don't I, know I, what the show is about, really, in terms of be, overall theme. I really don't. I, I find their issues to be compelling, that's all. All right, uh, let's move on um next up we're going to talk about the fall of the house of usher and tom i'm gonna let you 
uh, take it up. It's, we're going to talk the at least the last episode. I don't remember what happened the one before. Seven that. is when uh, when Henry Thomas, formerly E.T.'s little companion back in the eighties, <laughs> Roderick. You knew that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did recognize him. Um, he was one of my least favorite of the children as well, and he's, oh, he's just lame. He's like, like the symptom with of what all these. What's wrong with the whole family? So his. His demise was the pit in the pendulum, and he was drugging his wife, and his daughter figures uh, it out. And then, uh, um, oh, why can't I think of her name? Uh, uh, anagram. Anagram? Ver- Verna. Verna switches, you know, puts the... the oh, the, 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 the paralytic. Agent, yeah, the, the paralytic in his cocaine. So he ends up dosing himself, and they get the pit in the pendulum is the wrecking ball. Which ends up killing him. Yay! One less kid. Um, episode <laughs> eight was kind of the was kind of the be all end all. Yeah, it's that was great. That was that great. Verna is an anagram for Raven. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> and that they and that the, the the siblings, the older siblings, basically made a deal with the devil or the supernatural force. Cross. It's interesting how many different metaphors they cite. I, right, but my question is, who in their right mind? will be like, I will trade to become rich in exchange that when my life is over, everyone and including everyone of my progeny will also die. Like, that's insane. Just listening to them. I think there are people conceited enough in today's world to do exactly that. That was crazy. And then he went and had... Like, if you know that, like, I like Mary McDonald's solution. She made that deal, and she made sure she had no children. No children. She was like, <laughs> fine, I'm making this deal, not having any kids. What does this dude do? He has, like, six. He makes By all this these deal. different women. Yeah, he makes this deal and has six kids, knowing that they're going to die when he dies. He knows this. Or before he dies. Or, yes, well, right before. It, it's all connected. But that's the thing. I think if I made a deal like that, I'd make sure I had no kids. Like you have a choice. You're well, like he okay. already had two by the time he made that deal. That's and that's the oh. thing that tripped me out. You've got two children, and you're making this deal, and you're basically killing them. Mm-hmm. Like what? Well, that's oh. why they deserve what they get. They're terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I was I was bummed that the uh, the. His granddaughter. granddaughter. I know, but she was sweet. She was the only good person, and the evil uh, Verna Verna. felt felt bad about it. She's like, I am so sorry. Yeah, still did it. She did it. She did it in the easiest way possible. Correct. But still, yeah, she died. Yeah, and I figured, you know, maybe she'd get away somehow, but nope. Nope. I was hoping that somebody was somebody who was his child was actually parented by another dude, but nope. No. Yep. So that was just, oh, all of that. But it, it all came together really, really well. The finale made watching a couple of his boring children die kind of worth it. <laughs> like, I mean, for real, I liked the first, I think I really liked the first four episodes. And then I was bored for like three episodes because I didn't like three of his kids. And I was just like, kill them already. You know, like I legit <laughs> wanted to, if there weren't flashbacks in those episodes, I would have just skipped them, you know, and gotten to the end because the the first four plus the finale is really the show. 
I did love the reveal that what's his face from Battlestar Galactica was the one was the one on the wall. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew Which they were gonna the kill him. Yeah, you knew they were gonna kill him. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, they kept coming that he kept coming down the stair at the wall, and if you know your Poe, the cask of Amontillado, mm-hmm. and with the. Uh, when the Cretan calls it Amontillado, I'm like, oh, you were so done for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I knew that guy. He was too arrogant. He was more arrogant and evil than them. So he, of <laughs> course, had to die. Which is pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was hard to do. But I knew he was dying. Um, and, we, I, and I was pretty sure he was in that wall, too. I just didn't know, like, the order and how it happened. So that's what we got in the finale is we actually see it all come together. Um, what, a, what a fascinating way to take great works in the public domain <laughs> and weave them all together and then create a little something newish. And yet uh, that the commentary of that with the uh, current events didn't bother me because they definitely seem like the Sackler family. Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. those, those, those people are like blood-sucking vampires. They could all just go to the lowest bottom of Dante's hell with uh, Judas Iscariot, Brutus Cassius, and Satan. Yeah, so yeah. So it all that all worked. I agree. It felt a little heavy-handed like the Sacklers, but it's like, hey, this is the Sackler family. Let's murder them viciously, you know? So <laughs> uh, that's pretty much what they did here. But like I said, it all really came together in the last episode and to find Mary McDonald in the basement and he cut her eyes out. Oh my oh. God. Oh my God. But then he Crazy. didn't kill her? Like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> All of that was crazy. It was it was a, it was a really good finale. Like I was very happy. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? No, I thought I thought the whole thing was structured really really well. I I actually didn't um, have a problem with the last episodes. I thought it built for for me in terms of um, interest in the characters and things like that. Um, I and in terms of of building up the tension ratcheting it up little by little um so i i thought that it was very well done and also because i love poe um there was only one uh, story that i hadn't read which was the gold bug so i was really curious okay how is they're going to kill him off here what's <laughs> what's going to happen but um for all the others i i knew it so it was like okay now so how are we going to channel that into a way to, to kill people off so there was there was that kind of like little mental treat every time we got a new episode i agree with that but i just really i just thought some of his the last couple of his kids were the least interesting i felt like they should have mixed it up and had some of the least interesting uh characters killed earlier i guess is my point they they had to do frederick last because the thing with the daughter yeah right and and plus he was the firstborn Uh, i was surprised they didn't name the last episode the casco amontillado Instead of the Raven. Hmm. The, well, they already I, did Cask of Amontillado with, uh, you know. Yeah, they they, they used the story elements. I wish that, or I hope that somebody is smart enough to get these actors to do to do like an audio book of Poe's short stories because that would be killer. Yeah, Pardon yeah that'd be fun. All right. Uh, next, I think we're st- we're all saying thumbs up, right? So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So next up, we're gonna talk uh, Orphan Black Echoes, 
which we already talked the first couple episodes. So now we're on episodes three and four. And since I, of course, binged it all in one big swoop, I have no recollection <laughs> of what the heck happened in episodes three and four. So somebody uh, other than me lead that conversation. What happened in three and four, guys? Uh, in episode three, I didn't finish four, so somebody take over for four. I'll, but... I'll do four. Okay, so in episode three, um, we find the teenage uh, version of her uh, investigating Jules. more and more uh, as to whether or not she really is a 3D printout, and she discovers different things. Um, oh, you were and... talking about the book, her journal. Yes. Yeah, cause, she... Oh, because the whole thing is she has no memory. Now I remember. So she has, yeah, she's got no memory, but she, she takes her journal, and they give that to her, and she thinks that that's real. And yeah, and that's her big discovery. Go ahead, sorry. Right, and she realizes it doesn't sound like herself. I mean, she right. knows her own personality, and she's thinking, and you know, she's reading the journal out loud with her brother, her stepbrother, uh, her foster brother, and um, you know, they're laughing about it, and she's thinking, this really can't be real. And then she realizes, she recognizes some of the quotes uh, the prose as something that she's read someplace else. So she tracks down the uh, author of the guy. He's a he's a book writer, and that you know he basically admits that he wrote in the journal that he was paid to write the journal, uh, the diary of hers. So she begins to really understand uh, or 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 believe that you know her this whole history of hers is made up. She questions the the the. Um, uh, the psychiatrist, the neuropsychiatrist, yeah, comes that, to go vi right. That's the woman that like took her since she woke up, and so right. she had been her like mentor, and she really believed in her. And she's like, "Oh my god, this woman's been lying to me this whole time." Right, right. So her faith is totally shaken, and then she ends up. The episode ends up with her going back to the right. sober house to meet up with, uh, you know, uh, the Lucy. adult version i forgot her name lucy lucy is it lucy yep yeah lucy uh to meet up with lucy uh where they decide that they're going to drop drugs to try to regain the memory because they have the same uh memory of uh, being in a bathroom with blood and then the other part of the episode which i think is important to mention though is uh and you know and this makes sense because i actually am glad that they addressed this because i thought that child shot somebody and we're not going to address this, you know, but clearly she's very disturbed. The deaf child, I forgot her name. Sorry. Um, she, she is traumatized by having murdered, you know, killed someone. And so she's acting it out on the playground. Yeah. It was self-defense, but yes, she did. She was still traumatized. Oh my God. It's tra traumatic killing Absolutely. somebody, no matter, you know, no matter what, you know, how, how, how old you are, what the reason is. So um, she pushes some child off of a, a uh, jungle gym and then admits tries to admit to a cop that she murdered somebody and that was actually well, kind of funny the whole thing is she wants to be punished she yes. thinks she should be punished for what she did right? sure or at least chastised or something <laughs> <laughs> somebody needs to address that it actually happened and so and then there was this weird let's bury a bunny and call it a day that, yeah that was weird yeah i agree that was a little bit weird, but I mean, I get it. It was, you know, so, to, to give her closure. But I mean, anyway, that part was sort of inconsequential, but at least it was 
they addressed it because it, I did have a problem with it myself as I was watching the show and I thought, are they just going to move on from this? Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem realistic. So that, uh, you know, that made sense. And then they ended the episode, like I said, with them uh, reuniting. And then um, Tom, you can take over with the, ep- the next episode. Yeah, I'll tag you in. Basically, Jack is going to supervise as Lucy and J- Jules are going to uh, take a drug uh, through a nasal thingy to, to do shared memories to kind of reconstruct what happened. And so they do a mural and they figure out between the two of them that this a very, very particular bathroom and a location based on the, the, the oh, statue. Right, right, right. right. The, the tower outside, outside the, window. the window. Yeah. So it turns out to be a sorority house in Boston. So they go there. And then, of course, the sororities are very pinky, you know, and they're doing, you know, shots or some kind of something pong. Oh, no, like um, Frosé pong. Frosé pong. <laughs> Frosé pong. I know that Frosé is a thing. I didn't know Frosé pong is a thing. But, of course, uh, Jules win, so they get the key to the bathroom. And then they go up to, they go up to the bathroom and realize, you know, it looks similar, but they see the thing outside the window, and they look under the tile, and like, boom, 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 the tile pattern that they both see in their memories there. So they find out who owned the house before. They go to visit her in an old folks' home, and she's played by Kathy Baker. This is like the week for, uh, you know, veteran actresses to do a one-shot on sci-fi shows. And so she reacts more to Jules and starts, but she calls the... uh, the girls, I can't remember what the name is, but but she calls the name of this her daughter. So she they figure out that she was the mother of I hate to say the original. The original, version? yeah, the original. The original version. And then which kind of freaks Jules out. And then of course, when she, when um somebody reports a nurse at the facility calls the bad guys. So they're on their way and start jamming with Celine Dion. It's like, really, did we need that? Come on. I know it's a Canadian co-production. No, but it's it's to show that they have a shared memory. That's the whole point is they both have that song for some reason in their heads. No, it's, it's, it's Reed Diamond, the bad guys in the car. Oh, those guys. I thought she meant yeah. the where they were singing together. All right. yeah, no, she was trapped in the car listening to these two She's idiots. Trapped sing. in the car. <laughs> yeah. So finally, and then Kira, I mean, they hacked Kira's voicemail, and then Kira gets the voicemail. So she, of course, arrives just as the bad guys do. And then um, Lucy is told by Kira, you know, get in the car. You know, basically come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> I love those moments. Those are awesome. But yeah. I... Boy, I I don't love this show, and I loved Orphan Black. And again, I think it's a matter of I don't like the way this is constructed. Because for me, this is you could have probably cut out episodes two and three, or merge stuff from two and three. It feels like four should have been the back half of one. Getting the plot faster, and it's ten episode season. It just feels that there was a lot of nothing going on in, in episodes two and three for my tastes. I mean, I crammed through all of it. I just watched it like really fast because it all dropped in one day. So I think I watched the first seven or eight episodes in one sitting, which I don't recommend. Um, but so for me, it all kind of blurred together. I can't distinguish 
what you're talking about, which is also a reason to not binge a show that way, because then you, you can't distinguish what's working and what's not. You're just flowing. But I think it does flow. I think I do like when I get to the end of an episode, I'm like, oh, I got to hit and play on the next one now. I need to know what happens next. So I think from that perspective, they're doing a good job. So I, I can just say that. Um, and I like that they're making it a little different instead of clones. They're basically printing out these women uh, at different ages, and they're having to work together to figure out what's going on. But it, they don't have a way to transfer the memory. So you get a printout of a teenager, you get a printout of an adult, and both of them are only like a year old. So that, I think, is kind of interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. Well, they, they do have a way of of getting the memory, but it's not perfect. It's and so far it's been failing. So they they have a method, but it's not. They haven't perfected the method. Oh right, that's part of what they were trying to do. That's right. Because right. when they woke when she woke up in the apartment the first time, they thought she was going to remember, and she didn't. right, right, mm -hmm. right, right. Okay, I remember that now. All right, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, thumb sideways ish. I mean, I. I will say this compels me to rewatch the original Orphan Black. So I'm like in season, the middle of season two of the original Orphan Black. I just started it over again. And it's great. Like I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, you continued watching it? I know you said you started it, but I didn't think that you were going to keep going. You just kept going? Yep. 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 So I'm mid, I'm mid season two right now. The That's original funny. was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first one was amazing. I have, the I have, first... sorry. The first season with the male clones was a letdown. Mm, Whatever season, yeah. I, I don't remember what season that was, but I haven't gotten to it, it yet. Like four. I think part of my issue was who they chose the male clone to be. I did not like their choice. Oh, the actor? Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't like him. I didn't like him because he's a character we already know, and so I didn't like him to begin with, and now you're telling me there's like a hundred of him? Like, no, that <laughs> that's just terrible. So anyway, but let's move on. Um, next up, we're going to talk Blue Eye Samurai, which is an animated sh show on uh, Netflix. And it is a revenge. Think Kill Bill, but like in Japan. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a story really about is, is revenge the way to go? And apparently the answer is yes. <laughs> watch this show. <laughs> Um, but it does pose it as a question. And Blue Eye Samurai, I like the setup that it's in feudal Japan and it's in the 1600s. And in, they were like in 1633, all. 66. I thought it said 33 and I without. Anyway, it said oh, all um, foreigners were expelled and uh, except for white guys stayed and they didn't say where they were British or where they were from but yeah, they well they weren't supposed to stay <laughs> I know they weren't supposed to stay right they were hidden and then this woman th this mother gets raped and there's a kid that's born that's blue-eyed and is treated like a monster and all of that and it's about that kid wanting revenge on their father not knowing which one of the four it is so has sworn to kill all four so that's pretty much the premise and they show through flashbacks the child's, you know, growing up and how they grew up and how horrible it was. And they, they're doing a really good job of interweaving 
flashback with the current story and then the sidekick who is what's his name uh ringo ringo yes ringo is adorable yeah i love ringo a lot but i also understand why the summer is like you're not useful go away because <laughs> he's so cheerful it's like if you're in a mindset of anger and revenge and hatred having Ringo around does not help with that Ringo is very much like the most cheerful person on earth um and I got why she thought that she would he wouldn't be useful but I, I liked Ringo a lot like definitely adds something to the layers and then there's the the bully samurai guy, I can't remember his name. Help me out, somebody. The one who who uh bullied bully uh, was it, bullied it the... is it Taka Taken Tachin some Tagen Tagen Tigen Tigen there we Tygen. go. Uh Tigen ends up being more interesting than I thought he would be. I thought he was pretty much just a one-dimensional bully bad guy. Yeah. But he has a couple of layers, not a lot, just a couple. Um, and then you have his bride who I felt, I still feel is kind of just naive. Um, the princess. I don't, yeah, the princess, the princess is definitely naive, but I, I think Tegan does like her, but is also not in love with her. Like she's in love with him. So that's also Tegan is definitely selfish and self-centered. Um, but the story, it's a cool story. The first two, we're just talking about the first two episodes. So uh, it's basically the very beginning of this adventure. She's she's already killed uh, foreigner number one. And so she's on her way to try to kill foreigner number two, who is in this impenetrable castle. And she has to find, you know, how to get there, what's going on, and, and pick up clues along the way. So, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, Allison, Yusin, what'd you guys think? Well, I, I, I think it, first of all, it's visually gorgeous. Yes. Um, the animation on this is just stunning to look at. Um, it's, it, it has almost a Sumi painting kind of feel to it. Yes. And, and it's, it's just, it's so beautifully done. And the way they do the characters, they, they really go in for expressive detail so that you, it's, it's more like an acting full acting performance that you're seeing you know because it's just so so finely done um i i think it's it's just gorgeous to look at uh that aside i also love the fact that they're they're tapping into a historical reality which was that japan during this period closed their borders became completely isolationist throughout anyone who was a foreigner not just um westerners but but anyone from any country who happened to be in japan they just locked down their borders tight and it would stay that way for the next 200 years it wouldn't have it, it wouldn't be until um the the united states finally forcibly opened up the borders of japan to trade and uh, kind of you know at the point of a gun that that changed so during this period you know japan is completely alone and i thought that was an interesting place to to set and and time to set uh, this story so and of course it plays into this the the character the lead character specifically because she is mixed race and um and at the beginning of course we're supposed to not know it that the she's even a she um because she's masquerading as male 
and then we find out definitively by the end of the first episode um but but they also show why she's masquerading as male too yeah oh of course because first i mean it was there's there's a she would have no rights whatsoever and she would have no means of of doing anything much less exacting revenge she would be completely shunned by society and and we see that even as as a small child um you know there she's she's running from bullies who are throwing rocks at her and who are encouraging her to throw herself off a cliff which is um, crazy yeah, yeah i mean but that's the kind of level of hate that that they have for anyone who who seems to be um even even vaguely foreign so there's just no tolerance for difference whatsoever and so yeah it's it's definitely um a, a self-preservation that she's she's masquerading as male that's the only way she she can actually move around in this society um and so i i i love the the focus that they've given her character i i think that you know i've already seen the entire series um so i think that i think that this thing is structured really beautifully and the characters all you know have have room to grow and and become more complex and more interesting and and it's just it's just beautifully beautifully done by the way the one who does the voice for uh for ringo is masaoka who is in heroes heroes uh, as hero and so uh, he just he he has that that really ingratiating charming kind of way that works beautifully for that character yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the the voice actors are all really, really good. They've done a great all job. All excellent. But let's move on. I don't want to, unless uh, Tom or who, who hasn't spoken. No, every, everything Allison said, but man, this is a gorgeous looking show. Right. Uh, some, said, there were some oh, shots that I just wanted to pause the TV. And if I had to print it, <laughs> do a screen capture, print it out, hang it on the wall. Yeah, yeah I could see that. I'll just say ditto. I'm enjoy. I I also finished it. I enjoyed it immensely, and I think that it was paced really well. Um, the first two episodes aren't like so engrossing, engaging. Like oh my god, uh, it unfolds nicely. Uh, you know, and it's so beautiful to look at. So I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it, or I should say enjoyed it. But the first two episodes, I did definitely enjoy, and it only keep, keeps getting better and better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we're going to talk Monarch, episodes three and four. And I think uh, this was a weird combo of episodes because I think episode three is is pretty good, but I think episode four, the pacing slows down so significantly, it almost doesn't feel like the same show, which is very, very strange to me because three is like, they finally get to Kurt Russell, they do this big escape, um, they're on the run, He's using false IDs and knowing all these contacts. They don't know if they can trust him. And all of that's like really good and engaging. And uh, then we get to episode four and we do this weird flashback between the lead, the guy, Japanese guy that I can't remember his name. And then the old ex-girlfriend, we do a flashback to find out how they met, which is not that interesting. And to find out that their romance is not that interesting. And to find out that he's a failed artist that I don't care about. And it's like all these things that they're focusing on in the flashback. Because in the present, they're lost in the middle of the wilderness. They don't have a plane. They don't have any supplies. They're all about to freeze to death. So let's do all this flashback stuff. And the flashback is terrible. 
It's like the most boring stuff you could do a flashback about in the middle of a Godzilla show. Like, why? <laughs> why are we doing Godzilla this? show? It's a kaiju show. Thank you. You are Yeah, correct. we've gotten about 10 seconds of Godzilla in this entire thing. Yeah, and, that's, and that's fine. But I mean, it's, it's basically a character study and we have a side of, of the Titans, which is totally fine. I don't have a problem with almost all the characters. I like the sister. I think she's really interesting. But the guy playing the brother, he's terrible. He's not he, very good. He's not good. Apparently, this is literally his first acting. Seriously. He, this mm. is his first role he's ever gotten. And you can tell. He is not good, and um, he doesn't have he doesn't know how to have on screen chemistry with uh, the lead. The Christian only Clemens. yeah, the only thing I think he did well was we feel his anguish about his father, about his father dying, and he didn't get to say what he wanted to say because he bailed and he didn't know that was going to be the last time he'd ever see his dad. So like all of that kind of works, but. He, he seems dumb. He seems like a brat. And I don't understand why the, the, the other girl likes him. And then inexplicably in this episode, she becomes closer with the sister than him, which doesn't make sense either. So all of that stuff was just super weird in episode four. Episode three, like I said, I thought worked really well, though. All right. At, at least they had the, at least they were smart enough to have their flashback show intercut with the present day that is true because if we Could had you had imagine if they just yeah. did the flashback <laughs> oh my god if they had done a beacon 23 <laughs> that would have been horrible that would just have an been entire horrible. show devoted to his art show oh my <laughs> god kill me now i didn't hate episode four as much as you did um it just it reminded i live in the well, my ship was stationed in Japan in the late 80s, so the times I ventured to Tokyo, I had some, you know, serious flashbacks. Um, so I I did think it was kind of interesting that the women bonded. Especially it just felt like it came out like, of nowhere, because he was standing right there and could have helped her, but he chose to just be like, I'll just let my sister do it. It was just weird. I didn't say it didn't work, because I do like them being friends, but it, it felt like it developed because it was written in the script. Because what what you couldn't have, what didn't work for me is for the ex-girlfriend to be so antagonistic so much, because that was going on a train to nowhere. Right, right. So, and Kurt Russell, I think they should have used a little bit more because he's your MVP. Right, and it felt like they should have. Forget uh, the kids. Right. Use Kurt Russell more. Exactly. And they should have just, because they kind of insinuate that they don't know if they can trust him, they should have gone all in on that you know, and had some tension and had him prove one way or the other whether you could trust him or not, you know? Um, so I get why the kids don't know if they can trust him. Let's go there. Let's do that. Instead of, oh my God, he's my ex-boyfriend and I'm stuck in the wilderness with him. Like, I don't know. That doesn't work as well. Yeah, no, a lot of the the personal dynamics, I mean, you know, that's, let's face it, that's not why people tune in. For these things, well, they I tune think... in to watch kaiju fight each other. Well, no, and and TV this show. kind not of for the TV show, I don't, I don't agree. For the TV show, you don't have the budget. To well, they have... don't. But but it's you know it's still that's not why people are watching. And the thing is, I am. They didn't I, come I, up with good dynamics between these characters. I think they did in the first few. The first three episodes, I enjoyed the dynamics. I enjoyed what was happening. I enjoyed the flashbacks. I enjoyed all of that. 
this is the first one where I think they fell flat on their face. Thing is, I, I under I I enjoy the flashbacks more because I think that the dynamics between the adult characters are working. They yeah. that makes sense. The kids, on the other hand, just seem like a bunch of whiners to me. I and think the they, daughter's good. I like her. I like her as an actress, but I think she's being badly served by the the writing because she just comes off as being constantly whiny and no, and the guy is angry the one and whiny. no, but they they both are. They both are, and it's you know there's a reason. It's like when you find out that your dad is is cheating with another family that's a reason to be really angry i get that that's great but then once you 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 have to be running from monsters or you've got a, a secret organization chasing you suddenly you've got more Important pressing issues, issues right. to to worry about and, and at that point you shit. stop doing that yeah and i think no, she, she does. doesn't though she I, just kept I, going i on. totally disagree with you on that uh, but, uh, well, you know, because I just I, I I think and they all did, like you said, with the, the girlfriend, too. All of a sudden she starts whining. You've destroyed my life. I don't know yeah, what I'm doing just, here. I agree. Um, like that stuff didn't work. I, I'm totally it's like you've got to do something other with your with your, your teenage or early 20, whatever they're supposed to be characters other than being angry at people. You know, you've, you've just got to do something else. And I, it seemed I, very one dimensional to me. I, I think that the girl, the sister. I, I have no problem with her. I think she's doing a fine job. I just really feel like if you took the, the brother out of it, it would be fine. Like, you know, he's definitely the weak link. But uh, Yusin, your comment before we move on, we only got, we got, we're running out of time. We got one more show to talk about. No, that's all right. You guys have covered it. <laughs> I'm okay. good. All right. Well, I'll start you off for the next thing we're going to talk about, which is the Doctor Who specials. We have two of them. Um, Wild Blue Yonder is the second one. The first one is a silent beast, I want to say. Um, and it is, I mean, I can see on David Tennant's face, he's aged a bit. Star Beast. Star Beast. Um, uh, David Tennant's aged a bit, but I have to say his interactions with Donna are timeless. Like their chemistry is fantastic. I I was smiling like an idiot through both of those two episodes. Um, I this is the Doctor Who that I remembered and liked, and it makes me sad that we suffered for I don't know how many years without too many. These. Without this dynamic and this just chemistry, it was just, it was like, oh, this is Doctor Who. Like, it was great. And then I love the new TARDIS when they, when they open the door and it's rebuilt itself. And um, he starts running up and down the halls and stuff. It's like, it's fantastic. I was it's Disney I'm money. Really... <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm sure it is Disney money, but it's a gorgeous is... set. Seriously, that's, it's that's, huge, it absolutely huge. So huge, and it's definitely gets that moniker. It's bigger on the inside, like for real. Uh, that and it's, I just, yeah, I was super happy with the TARDIS. I was super happy with everything except in the first one. I loved how they dealt with the Doctor Donna and her being getting her memories back, and all of that was great. And then she split with her daughter, and then they say that the problem I had was at the very end where her and her daughter decide to give away the power and hold hands and hum really loud. Like, I was like, wait, what? What happened? Uh, that 
was weird and didn't make sense and it felt unnecessary. So that's the only negative tick I'm going to give it. And I'll let one of you guys talk about the next episode. So um, I loved the second episode. I didn't love the first one, to be honest. I felt it felt very Disney and, uh, you know, and it felt very. What you didn't like meet? You didn't like meet me? I did not like it. No. Uh, I, I I really thought it was a sort of a gremlin meets ET meets some other creature. Uh, they you know they even you know they even had the scene where Meep was hiding amongst the stuffed animals and all of that. Uh, so it it was a really derivative and kind of patronizing and kind of uninspired for me. I thought, um, and I knew that Meep was going to be evil. Uh, that you know what he wasn't as innocent as he seemed. I knew it and, wasn't as innocent as he seemed. I just didn't think he was just like an eat people evil. Right. Uh, the second episode I loved very much. It felt very. It rang very true to me, and it was very much uh, the Doctor Who that I'm familiar with. And although it did seem a little Star Warsy at first when they landed on that huge ship, and um, the special effects and the kind of the production value, I thought. Um, was very sci-fi in a way that Doctor Who wasn't. Uh, it seemed kind of 2001 Odyssey, kind of, you know, extra special. Like, like the special effects were almost too good. Um, you know, because there's always a slight cheesiness to Doctor Who, uh, you know, even in space. So I thought it was a little slick, but I, I'm not, you know, dissing it. I just kind of thought, oh, here we go, Disney money. Um, so, but as far as the storyline was concerned and the, the at the end of creation and the huge arms and the it was creepy the way that doctor <laughs> oh my god know, it was super creepy super creepy you know and it was so creepy in the way that doctor who i remember doctor who being when it's creepy you know in a way that isn't horror movie-esque but just genuinely creepy um so uh and the stakes felt high and you know i didn't know what was going to happen with donna and you know i mean i assumed it should be here for the all four episodes but you know, you never know. I don't know. Um, anyway, I thought it was a rip-roaring adventure. I thought it was very much uh, this the humor, the banter, the dialogue, um, you know, even this, the solution with the slow uh, t tick ticking time bomb, the slow um, detonation well, of self-destruct, right. you know what I mean? Right. I thought that was great. So I thought, like, even the mystery and the resolution was smart, all of it with the, the slow robot and so yeah no i really enjoyed episode two and it, it made me think like you did like ah this is my doctor who although i love matt smith as well so um you know no dis to disrespect to matt smith but yeah it was classic doctor who for me and i really enjoyed it in defense of the first special that was based on an 80 or inspired by an 80s uh basically comic strip doctor who and the star beast which was co, which was uh, illustrated by uh, the dude who co-created Watchmen. I'm, of course, I'm blanking on his name now. The guy, not um, Alan, Mike Dave Miller? Gibbons. Okay, Dave okay. Gibbons. So, and I thought it was a great way to bring back, bring back our classic pairing. Uh, the reveal, you know, seeing what Donna's been up to, finding out that she hit. You know, because the last thing the doctor does is gives her a lottery ticket for the wedding present. And she's like, a lottery ticket? 
fast forward, she won and gave all the money away. (laughs) And she's not able to figure out why she did that until she gets her memories back and realizes because subconsciously she was trying to be like the doctor. I didn't love the uh, the second special as much as other people, you know? I just felt, for me, it was a little tropey. But just to see the two of them on screen, I'm sorry. You know, when, um, when, um, oh, I'm a, when Catherine Tate first replaced Freema Adjaman as the companion, I was mad because she wasn't Freema. And then when I realized, oh, for once, she's not in love with the doctor. I, I like her a lot. Yeah. And so once I figured that out and, and dialed into the chemistry between Tennant and Tate, you know, I was sold. And, and so when they, you know, when she left the series, I was quasi devastated. And of course the first set of specials is what happens when the doctor doesn't have a companion, bad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm, um, you know, I, I wish it was a longer tenure than just three specials, but I'm looking forward to shooty because I'm hearing good. There's good buzz about shooty and his companion, Ruby. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I didn't hate the first one as much as as you guys did. I I, I think I'm I more did. like I will point out I didn't hate it. Okay, well I think I think it was more like Tom. I did get it did feel a little Disney like, especially the meep. Um, you know that the the meepiness of it was was not fantastic. But what <laughs> I loved was the dynamic between all the human characters. Yes, because the Doctor and Donna is just pure magic. I love um tenant and and uh oh my god Catherine Tate Tate, thank you I'm having a morning okay um it's I I love the two of them together they have amazing chemistry and and they just they play these characters so fantastically well so watching the two of them together and just the humor in the episode really really worked plus it was nice that they figured out a way to to stop this whole nonsense about Donna not remembering and all of that kind of thing. I really wish they had left her as the Dr. Donna somehow. I didn't think it was necessary to depower her at the end, but whatever. Um, at least, you know, they got her to the point where the two of them can, can interact. And, and all of that was, was really fun. I really, I enjoyed all that. The second episode felt more like actually a classic Doctor episode, Doctor Who episode to me. Like you know, we're going back to the Tom Baker years where the and and I didn't think it looked all that slick. The background was clearly just a great CGI. big blue screen. <laughs> know. You know, I mean, they're standing on a blue screen stage, and you know, that's that's all just generated. So all of that was, I mean, the fact that they could do more stuff like move it was was nice. But it was it was basically you know kind of kind of bare bones. And so we want that one set and that was it. Um, and it was it was getting also back to the science fictioniness of Doctor Who, which was much more prevalent in the in the classic series. Um, so all of that was fun. And of course, you know, we have the two of them and then playing their evil doppelgangers with the arms, which cracked me up no end. When the two My of them were just too long. <laughs> when the two of them were just, you know, sort of slumping down the hallway with these giant arms hanging at their sides. I just laughed. That was that was I kept thinking what that must have been like on set. You know, I mean, oh, my God, that so that that was that was all really just just fun and and actiony. 
and and like you know good solid old time doctor who the kind of thing that used to suck me in in the beginning so all of that was was fun and then they end up with that that one little bit which which i loved with and which i was totally not expecting with bernard cribbins um you know as at the at the uh, end of the episode and that is sadly all we'll we'll get of him most likely i think that's the last thing he filmed but um, we got him in yeah but that one that so that one little bit is 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 really nice but uh yeah so far i'm i'm really enjoying this i'm looking forward to sh- forward to shooting as well but yeah i'm going to i'm i love the fact that they brought uh you know tenant and and donna back and i'm really enjoying these episodes all right so i think we're we're all with the thumbs up for the most part yep all right uh if and so next time we're going to be doing our wrap up of 2023 best and worst you know what to expect if you guys want to throw some suggestions from the internet from you guys, that'd be great. Otherwise, it'll be us just, you know, talking about how much we love slash hated all the television of this year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you have looking forward to to next time. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on SciFi.radio, uh, Six Degrees of Geeks, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.